Welcome to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, the ultimate resource for business success and growth. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm thrilled to be joining you on this exciting journey. Currently, I hold the position of VP and GM of NWS Canada. Additionally, I take pride in being the author of the critically acclaimed book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Throughout this podcast, my mission is crystal clear, to equip you with the strategies and insights you need to not only establish a strong presence in front of your clients, but also to take meaningful action and maintain that position. After all, being a pleasure to do business with is the key to fostering lasting connections in the corporate world. Together, we'll explore the art of not just building a successful and profitable company, but also cultivating a high-performing team that's capable of achieving remarkable results. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or anyone looking to excel in the world of commerce, this podcast is tailored to help you thrive. If you're eager to be part of the conversation, I encourage you to visit my website, navigate to the podcast section where you can sign up and stay updated and participate in the show. Our episodes typically run for a duration of 30 to 40 minutes, ensuring you get a compact yet insightful dose of valuable information. So get ready to unleash your profit powerhouse potential. Join me on this podcast as we delve into the strategies, stories, and secrets that will drive your success. Remember, your journey to becoming an influential person and prosperous business leader starts right now. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Profit Powerhouse, the show where we delve into the minds of industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and visionaries to uncover the secrets behind their remarkable success stories. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and today we have a truly exceptional guest who has shattered glass ceilings and empowered countless individuals to achieve their full potential. Joining us today is Catherine Canty, a trailblazer who holds the distinction of being only the second relationship leader in a $300 billion system in over a century, with more than two decades of corporate experience and a 40-year proven leadership coaching framework. Under her belt, Catherine has been guiding force for CEOs, SVPs, directors, and general managers across organizations ranging from $10 million in revenue to a staggering $300 billion. Her track record speaks volumes with a remarkable 95% measured success rate among 11,000 leaders worldwide. Welcome, Catherine, to the show. Thank you for having me, Glenn. It's nice to see you. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks again for coming. And um, so could you give me a little background on what you're doing and how your system works and uh, and and obviously a little bit of a lead up in how you got to where you are today is always always a great way to start. Yeah, so what I'm doing right now is I am an executive coach. I'm one of 12 master coaches in the U.S., and I work with teams and individuals, and we help create measurable leadership change within an organization. Um, and what I have found, I've, I've got some, some great folks that I've worked with along the way. I think one of my favorites is I was working with a leader uh, across the country, and they had a very short, accelerated time frame. We didn't realize it, but the leader was going to go out on extended medical leave and the team had to get ready in a hurry. And that leader was just very involved with the details and making sure everything ran smooth. But if the leader's going out for a couple of months, we got to make sure that this team's going to be fully functioning when, when that leader's out. So I knew it was working. And within four months, like major changes, great momentum. And what was the icing on the cake was when I got a phone call from the organization four months after that engagement ended. And they said they're getting 
um, phone calls and contacts from companies, their clients from Apple and Viacom talking about how great the team is functioning, even though the leader needed to step out for a little while to take care of themselves. And so, you know, they, they joked that I won the lottery. They're going to keep sending me people and they have been. And it's fun to be able to take that 20 years of corporate experience of all my mistakes and all that stuff I learned along the way and be a sounding board to the leaders that are here today that are just overwhelmed. They're overworked. They're trying to figure out how do I even prioritize? What is time management in today's world? And uh, helping them navigate that and sometimes just listening to what they need. We prioritize on phone calls and then we we set action plans. And just like with sales and your experience, you got to have a goal. You got to have a plan. And we paint that picture out and we get them to describe what does success look like. And we just keep going back to that plan and creating momentum. And, and you've got a sales background, so I love it. Yeah. Um, but you break things down into, you know, three tangible pieces. And so let's take something really complicated and break it down. And that's the same stuff that I used in my corporate background as well. And so to be able to take that experience, but then also leverage a 40-year framework from Marshall Goldsmith, and I was trained by him, him himself and his co-founders, they're amazing resources for me, but they found a way to navigate corporate America top-level leaders in a very effective way to the point where it's not time-consuming, we're using practical applications, and we're delivering results 100% of my clients have been able to create measured results in using this particular framework. There's a 95% success across the globe. So I'm pretty wow. excited about it. Yeah. So for someone that's at the at the very beginning, so if someone's thinking, hey, I think I need a coach, like, what does that look like for most people just starting out? Like, what is the process of engaging with a coach? And, and what would they come to think of, like, ex expect if they're wondering, you know, what does that mean? And time yeah. commitments and stuff like that for uh, in a, in a traditional or sim, uh, typical situation? Yeah, I think that's a great question. A lot of people are wondering, you know, how do you even get started? I don't want to be coached. I'm not coachable. Don't you can't help me. I'm doing fine. You know, I don't have time for your whatever you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Catherine. So usually what happens is it's the executive that reaches out to me. It's the head of HR that reaches out to me. And they're like, we love this person. They make me want to hit my head on the wall <laughs> or we love this person. And when they're on, they're on. And when they're yeah. off, I don't know what happened to them, but I've invested in them. We, we see potential for them, but I can't spend any more time with them. So figure this out. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I had one guy that, that hired me and he said, look, I knew what I needed. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but Catherine helped me figure out the how part. And I had another guy that came back in, the CEO of a company, and he said, I love the fact that I don't have to do all this work and they're getting better. That's making them better and it's making me right. better. Yeah. So setting them up for success and knowing that the the top leadership is is investing in them, is believing in them. These are folks that are already doing a good job. We're just finding that one and two percent to take them to the next level. And for that to happen, you know, usually there's an executive that wants somebody just to be able to keep pouring into them. And um, there's that need. And then also positioning the work in the right way, saying, hey, this lady has, has been around. She's helped a lot of people. I want you to use her as a resource to help navigate where you want to go next. And so a lot of times people are like, I don't even know where to start. And we start with 360s. We start with that holistic 360 review. And I don't know if you're familiar with cold plunges and the ice baths yes, that yes, you know, we all see. I, 
Yes, they and I was I was thinking of an analogy of what is this 360 process like for the folks that I'm working with, and I would yeah. say there are times where I feel like they just got in the cold plunge when they're reading the 360, and so that just primes us for just real conversations, and we find small things that they want to work on. I can't tell them that they need to go have better time management, but they have to feel the pain enough to want to create that change. And it all starts with that 360. But even before the 360, it's usually the executive or the head of HR that's calling saying, I love them. They make me want to hit my head on the wall. Wow, <laughs> I think we all know those awesome. people. Yeah. What what made you make the jump into coaching? Like from because you were were you in the corporate you said, I think you said you were in the corporate yeah. world before. And how where when did you make the shift and and what what prompted you to do that? Yeah, I love um I loved my time with corporate and I remember I got married very young, 22 years old. And I remember telling my husband, I will do the corporate thing for 20 years. I'll travel. I'll do whatever you go do your serial entrepreneurial thing, figure it out. You get 20 years and then I'm going to put my letter in and I'm going to retire, but my retirement is just going to be, I'm going to do whatever I want to do and I'll figure it out when I get there. So I knew huh. to gain the experience. I knew to just lean into as much opportunity that came to me and so much opportunity came to me. I'm forever grateful for these mentors and sponsors um, along the way, just too many to, to thank. And so the 20 years came and I wow. said, I'm going to go turn in my notice. And he said, no, you're not like you love that work. I said, I do love that work, but it's my time to go figure out what I want to do next. And I didn't want to be defined at the end of life as, as working in corporate. I wanted to have more to my life than that great experience that I had. And it was scary. And I remember turning in my letter and saying, you know, it's great. I'll support you anyway. I also remember when I first took that position, there were just files and files and files of paper. And by the time I left, I left them three posting notes of who they needed to call and what the follow-ups were. The paper was gone. The problems were gone. The wow. communication was there. And it just felt like, you know, I've gone as far as I can and this, this is the right thing to do. So I, I took a leap of faith and even leading up before that, you know, just kind of getting stir crazy, wondering what else is out there for me to keep growing and um, ended up finding Marshall Goldsmith and applied to work with him in New York and was accepted to that. And so like all these little steps just started taking place. And my position in corporate was to go and work with CEOs and navigate those conversations and get the conversations back to operations and back to the boardroom. And, you know, we all know that sales and operations in the boardroom, they don't talk a whole lot together on a regular basis. So my job was to merge these conversations to create effective change. And we did. And um, it was it was a great experience. But I also knew it was time to to go try something new. And how do I leverage my existing skills of communication and working with executives and supporting them? Um, and so this seemed like a, a natural transition for me. Wow. Wow. And um, I'm somewhat like a little bit familiar with the Marshall Goldsmith system, but I saw in some of your write-ups and stuff that you have a patented business vitality program. So yeah. how do you blend those? Do you, do you blend those two together or have you transitioned and how do they, what, what are some of maybe the differences or, or how do you make them work together? I guess. Yeah, I think there's so much good information out there. We don't have to recreate the wheel every time. We can find best practices from all these different places. And what I realized over the past 20 years, I had a wonderful 12 years with one commercial bank. I had a wonderful seven years with another ag bank. And what I realized is I walked into places that um, 
nobody else was was going into. I was going into teams that weren't established. I was going into places that needed transition. And we basically had to start from zero. And what I realized when I reflect back on this is I have a process that I never documented before until I left corporate of how I'm going to create communication and partnerships within the organization. And it starts with understanding what the operations folks are capable of doing because they only have so many hours in the day. They only have technology that can do so much. It's also understanding what the strategic boardroom is saying. And it's also understanding what is the customer willing to pay for and what is the salespeople actually willing to put into the CRM or Salesforce and and will they use it? And so when we pull it all together, there's this process that I ended up calling business vitality because we begin to put the languages together. We begin to test MVPs or minimal viable products as part of the solution. Because when we bring the the three-legged stool together, there are new products and services that could be created that fit with the strategic alignment within the systems that we have available and that the customer is willing to pay for. And I've proven that back in my corporate days. And so I created this framework. We don't have to build big, expensive solutions. We can test small, MVP this thing, implement it, and be able to grow it from there. And so that whole process of of communication, of testing small, is tied into business vitality from a business standpoint. And then it's also important to take in, you know, Marshall's communication skills. I love his framework for leadership. But when you have a conversation with me over the course of a six or 12 month engagement, we're not just talking leadership. We're talking executive summaries. We're talking presentations to the board. We're talking um, sales pipeline. How are you communicating one region's work to the other region's work? Why are you duplicating things? So you're going to get that flair of business vitality within the the Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Center coaching framework that I use. Wow, that's awesome. And for people that are listening and reflecting on coaching and stuff, I mean, what are some of the common challenges you see in high high potential leaders and people like that might resonate with them say hey you know what i guess i do need a coach or is there common you know there is there other common things you see or that come up over and over again or yeah i've got a, a i was just reflecting on this yesterday i've got two clients that come to mind that are overconfident they've had so much amazing success to get them to where they are they just think they can just continue to have this amazing success and they don't need to get any better. They're pretty much untouchable. And the executives reach out and they're like, the ego needs to be reset. We need to have a little level of humility coming into this position because you're not going to be the rock star. We all know the CEO of a, of a company is not a rock star position all the time. You have to deal with junk. Usually by the time it gets to you, it's a problem. And if you don't have a level of humility with you at that point, you know, it, it, it could hurt. And, you know, you've got to produce, produce, produce up to a certain point, but then we got to add in some humility. We got to be able to add in that discipline of being able to listen and hear people out and not always just be reactive all the time. So I had a couple of folks that are geared towards that. And then um, I've got a couple of folks that um, think they're, they're overdue for the promotion and, Uh you know, (laughs) it's time I've been doing this job. And so it's so funny. I'm like, you don't just do your job, your checklist and your job description like it's a checklist. That's not the way this world works. You have to overperform and overdeliver consistently over time. This is not a yeah. 12 month game plan. And just because you've been here for 18 months doesn't mean you're going to get a promotion automatically. 
And if you're that worried about it, that probably means you're not going to be getting it because you're wearing me out. God knows you're wearing these other people out too every time you leave you know, our conversation. So we need to, to rein that in and focus on what can you deliver now to be seen in that light that you need to be seen in in order to get that promotion. They believe in you. You're just coming across really in a wrong way. Yeah. And then every once in a while, I get one person and um, they just need their ego is, is just kind of like, I don't even know if I can do this. I mean, this is going to be a lot of work. I'm not really an outgoing kind of person, but like they deliver every time, but they just need the confidence to be brought back up. So that one doesn't happen so often. Usually it's these, um, the, the big egos and they're, they're just rock stars or they think they're a rock star, but they're not quite there yet um, that I'm working with. Yeah. The first one you mentioned, um, you know, and I'm shameless plug for my book, the, uh, there was, I call it the reverse Midas touch. You were talking about like, I can do no wrong or, you know, the first mm-hmm. example that you've given, but you went off a little bit differently, but I just, I just feel compelled to share. Like <clears throat> I have sold two companies and during the first company, it was very successful. And, uh, but we made this critical mistake and we did it several times and where, and I came to call it the reverse Midas touch, which is, you know, everything you touch turns to gold. Right. And mm-hmm. so this is why everything you touch other than your main business turns to shit. Right. Pardon my language. But, uh, <laughs> and so what ends up happening is, is you're like, I'm so good at running this business. It's throwing off all these profits. Then what you do is you say, you know, some dude comes along and he says, Hey, invest in my company or buy into this thing. And, and you kind of like armchair quarterback the thing and you put the money in, right? Like the money goes in no matter what. That's the only thing that's unequivocal is the money going in, but not your time, right? Not your experience, not your blood, sweat and tears that you put 15 years into the other business. And you just think the 1% of time you're putting in or less across, you know, uh, a phone call and a text message, you're going to get the same success because you're that good. And of course, it blows up in your face. It's not successful. You keep feeding it money. And then eventually you have to pull the plug, right? And so just because you're like massively successful in one area or one uh, business doesn't give you this God-given right that everything you touch will be successful, right? And it's a it's humbling experience, right? And uh, I, think that's a, I think that is a great example. I've got something that comes to mind where I mean, you in the beginning, when you got nothing and you're starting from zero, you are scrappy and you are putting your life and your blood on that line to make this business work and you have no other option. So when you have this gold thing and it's working, Midas is fantastic. And then you just put your money in. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, if you don't put the same blood and sweat and tears into it like you did with your your gold mine over here, it's not going to work. And you may just be too tired to do it again. You know, we've got to really look at, do you have the energy? Because that takes so much energy to get that thing going and rolling after yeah. 15 years and build the momentum. So yeah. it's kind of like, man, can I just be happy with one gold pile or do yeah. I want to go after and yeah. get two and three more? Right. Um, I, in some of your writings, I saw you talk about commanding executive presence. And um, is that something you work on as a, as a core competency or is that, uh, um, is that is that one of your things or is that just, you know, I don't know. I'm just curious. I saw this that with those words, commanding executive presence. That's something you teach most of your coaching clients or how to be commanding. (laughs) (laughs) It depends. They may already be too commanding. Yeah, that's right. You may have to tone them down. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. I I did work with a, a group and they were middle managers needing to get promoted up and needed to figure out how do we build bench strength. And so I worked with that CEO. He identified high potentials. He kind of gave me a lowdown on them. He said, overall, if I had to pick one thing, and he gave me 
gave me very colorful examples of what they were individually doing. And I said, it just sounds like they need executive presence. Like when they walk into a room, you don't need them looking like they're hanging out with their buddies. You want them to dress the part, walk the part, own it, have the confidence, but not too much and stop looking like a disheveled mess, rolling into a meeting, looking at their phone, screaming about how busy they are. I was like, executives don't look that way. He was like, yeah, I need them to look the part because I can't give them any more work because all they do is complain about how busy they are. And all I'm going to do is give them more work if they get promoted. So um, helping them define what executive presence is uh, for the individual. I've worked with one group. I love this group, but they work indoors and outdoors managing, you know, $100 million projects. And so these folks were in sunglasses and boots and hats and everything else. It's 100 degrees outside. But you got to know your audience. You got to know, okay, if I'm going out into the field, I'm going to wear boots, sunglasses and hats. But if I'm going to meet with the people that are paying for this stuff, I got to take a shower, put on a collared shirt, leave the yeah. sunglasses in the truck, put on some dress shoes and act the part. You yeah. cannot go seamlessly between that audience. And so it means different things to different people. In that example, you know, dress accordingly. Um, in another example with one executive, got into a position and just felt comfortable behind the podium every time there was company-wide meetings. And as we worked together, this leader found out from her peers that you would have more effective executive presence, more commanding experience if you could walk the room as you talk mm. and make eye contact. And even though it was scary to leave the podium, when the leader began to have that conversation and walk and own the room, that created an executive image with her team of, you know, 200 people. So, you know, as we grow as leaders, we got to figure out how do we how do we grow in our perception? Because we've got to overcome this cognitive dissonance of how we've always been seen. We want to get better, but we want other people to see that we're in this new light too. Wow, that's that's great. Um, well, I, I want to say, I mean, a lot of what you've said really actually resonates with me a lot. And um, I think either we we think alike or we both really know what we're talking about, or I'm not really sure. <laughs> but I mean, a lot of what you've said is, is uh, to me, is very important and powerful for people that are trying to rise up. And I mean, as I've built and sold two companies, and um, now I'm sort of leading the company that bought my company. And and a lot of people are like, "What do I got to do to get ahead?" And and I can yeah. really see that you've you're you're the you're the straight goods. So, if people want to work with you as a coach, like how do they get a hold of you? And um, you know your website, your contact information, stuff like that. And I, um, I can see how how valuable working with you would be. So please share your information. So thank you, Glenn. Yes, you can find me at KatherineCanty.com. That's with a C. You can also find me on YouTube at Catherine Canty. I've got countless videos and podcasts out there. Business Vitality is the name of my podcast. And then we share business best practices there. And then I'm active on LinkedIn. And just to show humility, I am getting on Instagram and it's killing me because it's just a different, different yeah. way of communicating. And so I'm determined to keep posting. That's step one, just show up. And then step two is going to be refining the message. But um, yeah. Just to be able to show my clients, I'm feeling the pain with you guys. I am putting myself out there in different ways. But CatherineCanty.com, you can book a call with me. Um, YouTube, LinkedIn, it's all under Catherine Canty. Awesome. That's great. And I will definitely, there you are, following you on, on Insta. I know how hard it can be. So um, that's <laughs> awesome. You.
Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was great having you. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Profit Powerhouse podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another insightful episode of the Profit Powerhouse podcast. Your support and engagement means the world to us. If you're brimming with expertise and eager to join us, navigate to my website at glenpoolis.com forward slash podcast and go to the be a guest section to connect with us. Don't keep this information to yourself. Please share this podcast on your favorite social media platforms to empower your network with the strategies and wisdom you've gained. Your feedback fuels our growth. Please take a moment to rate and review the Profit Powerhouse podcast wherever you listen. Your input helps us to continually refine our content to serve you better. Remember, our mission is your success. We've committed to providing you with the tools and insights to drive your business forward, and we're excited to have you on this journey with us. To stay up to date on the latest episodes, hit the subscribe button, and let's stay connected. Reach out to me on social media and continue the conversation and stay inspired. For resources and information, visit my website at glenpoolis.com. And before we sign off, remember, I'm Glenn Poulos, and reminding you that your potential as a business leader is limitless. Thank you for being a part of this podcast where your success story begins.